Welcome to the HR Huddle Podcast, presented by Sapient Insights Group, the ultimate resource for all things HR. It's time to get in the huddle. Hello, and welcome to the HR Huddle Podcast and to the very first episode of Per My Last Email, where we dig into what's broken in diversity, equity, and inclusion. And how can we fix it? I'm your host, Pam Jeffords. Today, we're talking about the fallout from ESPN. After audio was leaked last year of sideline reporter Rachel Nichols, who was a white woman, complaining that ESPN replaced her for NBA final coverage with a colleague, Maria Taylor, who is a black woman. Because, as Nichols can be heard saying on the leaked tape, ESPN was feeling the pressure on diversity. This story has caused a huge uproar for the company, its employees, and of course, the online community. This has sparked a lot of conversation about who or what was right or wrong. But as most things in HR, it's not that simple. Today, we want to break down what feels like some massive failures for ESPN's HR department, their DEI strategy, and more importantly, what can our listeners do better if they find themselves or their organizations in a similar situation? I've called in two experts in the field to help us. With me today is a special guest and a friend. He is the Vice President of Diversity and Inclusion at Ball Corporation, one of the most revered quarterbacks in University of Colorado history, as well as a sideline reporter and analyst for games at CU. He brings a powerful perspective. Welcome to the show, Charles Johnson or CJ. Pam, it's so good to be here. This is awesome and looking forward to engaging the conversation. Wonderful. And from our home team, one-fifth of the HR Huddle crew, the host of the podcast, HR, We Have a Problem, Kim Seals. Thanks, Pam. Hey, CJ. It's great to be with you all here today. I'm looking forward to a great discussion. Likewise, Kim. Looking forward to it. I want to quickly set the scene for our listeners who might not be following online. Last year, while in the bubble, covering the NBA playoffs for their employee ESPN, reporter Rachel Nichols was in her hotel room on what she believed was a private phone call with LeBron James's longtime advisor, Adam Mendelson. She was asking for an interview with the LA Lakers star when she started to ask Mendelson for career advice. Here's where things took a turn. Nichols is heard complaining that the spot as the host of 2020 NBA final coverage was given to a fellow reporter, Maria Taylor, as a diversity play. Nichols did not know the camera was on, recording the exchange, and sending it back to ESPN servers where production staff overheard the conversation and saved it to their phones. They then passed it around, including to Maria Taylor herself. CJ, this conversation was problematic in plenty of ways. There are plenty of people who also think that maybe the repercussions and blowback have been a bit too harsh, given that Nichols was on a private call in their private hotel room. But from your perspective as a VP of DNI. What should Nichols be held accountable for, her intent or impact? And as a Black man in corporate America, why did this strike such a nerve? It's a great question. And, and this, this whole situation, this scenario, provides for all of us an opportunity to take a step back. What Rachel Nichols said, while to some may be problematic, why is it not expected? Why will we not anticipate that that might be the position or, or the perspective that she's taken? I see this all the time in the corporate space where we either, because it's a major blind spot of ours, are truly shocked and surprised that someone might say in this 
in this environment in which diversity and inclusion is, you know, sort of at the top of everyone list that my situation, my personal situation might be impacted by that. Why is that a shock? It's an opportunity for us to have a conversation. And this kind of gets into the challenge or the way I believe ESPN sort of mismanaged this whole scenario. Uh, And so in a way, I think Rachel herself, while there was an opportunity to learn, perhaps she didn't think through her comments or her thoughts or feelings prior to, I think in a way she's been victimized here as well. We can break that down a little bit more. I think the sad reality, having said all that, is a situation presents itself. It's an opportunity for us to grow. And like so many in times past, when it comes to issues of race, culture, society, et cetera, it happens. We all get in a tissy fit about it, and then it goes away, and we're no better for it. That is the biggest crime of all of this, not what Rachel Nichols said and what she thought was a private conversation to a friend. I want to ask you a little bit about transparency. Was that part of the problem that when it happened, the instinct was to cover it up, hold it tight, keep it in in house, as opposed to discussing it and having conversations and letting the world know a year, a little over a year ago that it happened? Transparency can only really happen when you're transparent with the subjects. And I think that's a big challenge, a big problem. It's like so many corporations, you look at processes and procedures before you recognize that people have heartbeats, they have feelings, they have experiences. They're not two-dimensional. They come from different backgrounds and different perspectives. If you don't, particularly in a case like this, where you talk about two very high-profile individuals that are in your organization, the fallout from which will impact everyone and everything. There's nothing that can't be transparent about this situation, even if you try to contain it. Any utterance that this actually happened is going to be problematic. And the problem is, is you lose control of the narrative. You have no control of it right now. And we're all having this conversation right now, really filling in the blank spots, the gaps of what actually took place instead of ESPN saying, listen, let's get to the root of it. Let's resolve this issue. I'm not expecting Rachel and Maria to be best friends and buds for life. But we are going to level set right here and and then we'll we'll tell the story to the world what actually took place as opposed to uh, folks engaged in their own perspectives, running to their positions and filling in the blanks themselves. CJ, you bring up a great point about transparency. One of the things about this that really surprised me was how long ESPN was able to keep this under wraps. It's sort of fresh conversation for us. And part of the reason that this may have come in at this point was ESPN was working on their public statements around diversity. They were talking about how they needed to be a more inclusive and diverse organization. Perhaps some folks saw that as as more of an empty promise, if you will, right? Especially knowing that this big incident has happened with two of their star players who happen to both be women, one black, one white, but they've got this going on at the same time they're saying, oh, we want to be more diverse and inclusive. From a DNI perspective, how did that play in as the decision to try to keep it under wraps? It probably played into it as we're all talking, we're, we're kind of filling in the gaps here. But based on what we've seen and heard from the media thus far, there is a, a bit of a panic. Fear is probably the number one word is how do we go out and set an aspirational statement of where we want to be? At the same time, understanding we're not there yet without embarrassing ourselves or, or cancel culture is real, right? I think it has to get back to, CJ, what you were saying earlier that I want to expand on is 
Rachel was just saying things that were on her mind. They were just coming out. She thought it was a private conversation. She wasn't being probably super careful about what she said. Is that where we all have to go now? And and I'm not going to use the word politically correct because this isn't about politics. It's about hurting someone's feelings, right? It's about saying something that's hurtful to another person. Is that where this needs to go, where we all have to really stop and, and think about what we're saying, even in private moments? You know, the opportunity is, I think, gifted us in a way because Rachel spoke a truth to her, something that rang true to her, but would have never said that publicly or to an official at ESPN. I think that's the challenge. I want, and and it gets back to the, the public statements that ESPN are making around, as you pointed out, Kim, around their you know, commitment to diversity and inclusion, like every other organization in the United States right now. Everyone is a proponent of and a fan of diversity and inclusion. The problem is what we're talking about is really the, the hard work of diversity and inclusion. At Ball, for example, we've kind of pulled back from getting ahead with these public you know, proclamations about you know, what our commitments are from a DNI perspective. Let's Let's be about it. Let, you know, we don't have to talk about it. Let's be about it because we know that actually being about it is a hell of a lot tougher than a, com- a comms department coming up with a crafty statement that that sounds extremely good. It oftentimes serves to do exactly what happened at ESPN. It frustrates the employees, particularly those who you claim to want to engage uh, at a higher level. And so the Rachel Nichols situation unfolded. As a private, as a, as a result of a private conversation, or so she thought. But that private conversation needs to be more public because it's it actually represents her reality, a truth that then gives us an opportunity to actually dig into it. I just want your honesty. You don't have to be, you know. There's not a right or wrong. It's just where you're coming from. And once we get to that point, we can we can come up with solutions and and understand why and and resolve issues. But again, it's interesting. We like, we want to fix problems that we don't want to hear the, what the problem actually is. We want to resolve things that we don't even really know. And all of a sudden, Ooh, Rachel said that. Oh my God. Yeah. You know, that's, and why is that a surprise to anyone? That kind of leads me to this conversation around intent compared to impact. We often talked about, we need to own our impact, but not so much our intent. But as we're thinking about this from an HR standpoint, from the repercussions and the fallout, is the intent important in this particular case? Is the context and the intent of where and how Rachel was saying this, should that come into play as we look at her show is now canceled? And and should we be taking intent into account in this particular situation? I think you always have to take intent into account. Now, whether or not on balance, it, it tips the scales one way or the other. It depends. You know, I, I read the statement or the conversation, a recount of the conversation that Rachel had with with Adam, and I was looking for words like not deserving or it's only because. I, I didn't get that. What I got from it was what I think is interpreted as a reality on behalf of many. It's not to say that Maria Taylor isn't isn't at, you know, at the top of the class in terms of her skill set and ability. But what I'm being considered for, my livelihood, my professionalism might be in the balance because of this focus and intentionality around 
diversity and inclusion. Now, what it might also reflect is there is a sense of privilege that exists in those statements that, listen, it plagues us all. It is part of our being. And so, you know, if it's mine, then someone else may be, because of these new policies, encroaching upon what's mine. Well, it's it's not really yours. I mean, it's, you know, at the discretion of the decision makers to determine who, but there's so many sort of nuggets of uh, societal challenges that are embedded in this story that, again, the opportunity, I hope, hasn't passed us up to learn from more broadly. CJ, I'd love to add to what you were just saying with perspective of what's been sort of an ongoing situation of women pitted against women, right? And this perception or feeling that we may have had and continue to still have that in order for me to succeed, another woman must fail because there's not going to be enough room for both of us to be successful at the same time because there's still not enough women in certain powerful roles, whether it's in broadcasting or whether it's in leadership or whether it's on the board. And, you know, I'm reminded of this perspective that sometimes women make their way through that door and then they close it behind them because they don't want to share that space they work so hard to get because maybe there aren't that many spaces available. So let me keep it. And that's what I sort of heard in what Rachel was saying was, why do they have to take something from me to give something to Maria? Same thing you were saying. She never said Maria's not awesome or capable or well-deserving, but I worked really hard to get this. And now it's being taken away from me to be given to another person. And sort of this sense of maybe she needs to wait her turn because I had to wait my turn. And I don't think that's that that's not going to help us with the rising tide lifts all boats phenomenon that should be there. I should be happy for Maria. I should be happy for anybody who gets to the place I got to because it means there are more of us and more power in the diversity. That is absolutely correct. And it is theoretically how, you know, it's intellectually how we approach it. And, and here's, the, here's the irony. We're, we're all to some degree guilty of it. Our, oftentimes the intellect doesn't meet the actual, the reality, because in a moment I'm feeling a certain way. As Pam pointed out in the introduction, I was fortunate to be a part of a national championship team at the University of Colorado. There are a number of attributes in terms of team building that I've taken away from that experience because there are all kinds of teams, good teams, bad teams, and everything in between. But one of the things I think that is a core sort of tenet or element of a championship team in any capacity is that there's an unselfishness, an ability or a willingness for the participants, for the players in this con- in this context to be able to compete vigorously. Everyone wants to be the starting quarterback or the starter at their position. To be able to compete against your teammate and be your teammate's biggest fan or cheerleader. It's sometimes an unnatural position to be in, but I think this is where leadership matters. This is where culture matters. Like, what is the culture of the environment? Are we promoting these things or are we promoting a culture where it's about me? There is a zero-sum game. If I'm not getting it or if someone else is getting it, that means it's not you know, I'm not benefiting from it. I see this in corporate America all the time. I see it in my own corporation, my own company, uh, which is, I think, in reality, one of the greatest challenges we have is to convince the the team that it's not a zero-sum game. The rising tide does lift, lift all boats. It's a great soundbite. How do we actualize that and make that a reality in real time? 
this is a great point to move a little bit over to the HR side of things. Because, you know, until yesterday, when ESPN announced it was canceling Nichols' show, The Jump, it seemed to many people that for the last year, the only person that was actually reprimanded from this was a Black woman. And we've seen this over and over that Black women are taking the brunt of disciplinary action. And we could also probably say, oftentimes the superstars, whether it's in corporate America, the top sales rep who's bringing everything in, or the business leader who we can't touch that business leader because they're bringing in so much of the revenue. So here you have this producer. She was suspended for two weeks without pay and returned to less desirable work assignments. Kim, is that the case? Are the lower level employees still taking the brunt of it if you're not that superstar on the field that can't be touched? That could have absolutely been part of it, that it was a lot easier to deal with somebody behind the scenes than it was to deal with two on-air talents that were much more public. I think also there is the sort of nitty-gritty HR part of this where there, you know, the conversation we just had about did Rachel do anything wrong? Did the owner impact versus her intent? You know, there's not great HR policies around that, right? Whereas there is specific policies that ESPN likely has around the things that the producer did that violated those policies. And, you know, I I give her a lot of credit. She self-reported to HR, if you will, according to media reports that she had done this. I think, unfortunately, there was something very tangible for for ESPN to grab onto in that particular role and what that person did to say, aha, that was, you know, we have something that was wrong. That's my best guess as to how that happened where uh, up until this became public and ESPN had to take a different turn on this, that the only person who got disciplined was that behind the scenes producer uh, who, again, was a black female. See, see, Pam and Kim, you guys are going to get me in trouble Mm -hmm. because, uh, you know, we, now we're talking about HR. I'm, I'm going to try to keep it as clean and as nice as I can, but you just poke the bear a little bit. Here's my point on that. I think what actually took place in this case was the result of the challenges that systemic exclusion brings to the table. If, in fact, this producer, and this happens, I, I see it all the time, if, in fact, this p- producer bleed in the process that it would actually produce a just outcome in her mind, she probably would have taken a different type of action. But for underrepresented populations, oftentimes you haggle over what to do. It's almost counterinstinctive to jump right into the process because systemically it hasn't produced. Women, underrepresented minority groups, the process hasn't worked for them. You're always questioning and manipulating and challenging your own sort of commitment to equity and fairness. And if you throw it into the vortex of HR processes, oftentimes the result of it is nothing. Nothing happens. I think the system actually produces the outcome that this individual has been disciplined for and ultimately led to this crazy outcome that we're talking about. I couldn't agree with you more. We have to watch ourselves because we are constantly giving advice and guidance to people who are in junior level positions about what we would do. And let's be clear, those of us on the call, we have privilege, right? We have a platform to have conversations. We have titles to back up our conversations. So if I was going somewhere and turning something in, I probably would be listened to because of my my power and the privilege that I have. I hear this all the time now where people who have quote unquote made it are telling this next generation, 
do this. Feel free to, to, to dress how you want. Feel free to do all these things and, and bring your authentic self to work, which I love, right? But that's not what got us at 54 years old to, <laughs> to partners and VPs. Are we guiding them wrong? Because to your point, it probably wouldn't have worked out the way that she wanted to because she had that producer title and she wasn't a talent. So I am conflicted about that right now because I do agree that we do have to use our power and privilege to bring these things to light because we are listened to, but advising this next generation, this earlier in career to do it that way as well, you're right, it has not turned out well. It it typically is brushed under the rug or they're going to get some repercussions for it. If you want to hear more about this, we are going to have another session on this specifically to talk about the HR implications for it and perhaps even get to the legal aspect with policies. Thank you again to our special guest, Charles Johnson from Valcorp for joining us on Per My Last Email. If you want to hear more of CJ's brilliant insights and fun overall demeanor, head over to ball.com and listen to the podcast that they have. I'm understanding, CJ, you're going to be ramping those podcasts back up. The podcasts are ramping back up. And by the way, the last time I was not asked to come back into a huddle, it means I didn't make the team. I'll (laughs) I'll sit back and wait for my invite, but hopefully I can get that. This has been awesome. CJ, I I didn't get asked back again. So now now you've got me thinking, wait a second, hold on. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast, tune in weekly to our other shows, Spilling the Tea on HR Tech with Stacey Harris. And then of course, Kim, we've got HR, we have a problem. CJ and I were discussing if it's HR is the problem, but okay, we'll keep that over um, where we're going to deconstruct the good, the bad, and the ugly, because let's be clear, when the shit hits the fan, it is time to huddle up. 